and welcome to Better Than Mario Brothers, the podcast where each episode Mark and I dive down into the cinematic sewer and pull out the freshest turds just for you. Uh, Star Wars is but a month away now. We are like a month away from the end of the Skywalker saga. So what better time for us to look back at episode one, The Phantom Menace. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, the man with the midichlorians, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. Uh, yeah, here we go. Wasting no time then. Let's let's dive into this. Um, now, this was one, I think, when we put our list together for this show. I don't think either of us originally suggested this, did we? This was one that came from Facebook. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, because we put a call out to you guys and you answered in droves, to be fair, about what your least favorite films were. And this one, fuck me, did this one get a lot of votes. Um, yeah, it, it did. And it's a strange one for me because, I mean, okay, it's Star Wars, so in my head it always gets a pass anyway because it's Star Wars. But, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it. I mean, we were, we were looking at some fucking diabolical stuff, um, some of the stuff we've already done, for example. Um, and, yeah, and this was probably the most mainstream thing that came back for quite a while. Um, and then we get some stupid fuckers and with some obviously with some suggestions which we're just never going to do. Um, but yeah, so this this is one of the ones we we kind of just went, oh yeah, we could probably have a look at that one. Yeah, I mean, look, definitely there is a lot to make fun of here. But as we've said before on this show, like originally we were kind of planning to look at so bad they are good films and so bad they are bad films. Uh, we weren't kind of planning to look at okay films or, or, you know, films that are made reasonably well but just aren't to everybody's taste. And this is a little bit of both of those, yeah. I think. Um, it's Parts of it are exceptionally well made. I mean, it's, it's a Lucas product. It's major money thrown at it. Um, the effects are fantastic, as you would expect. Even now, most of them hold up. Most of them, not yeah, all we'll of them. Come, we'll come to that. Um, but then it's also got that horrendous, horrendous George Lucas dialogue and things like that. And of all of the films, I feel like this one probably gets the biggest kicking. Um, there are some of it. I think is justified. Um, but I, I don't ever think of this as an objectively bad film. This this is one of those for me that falls into the category of a lot of people dislike, even hate this film. Um, and I'm certainly not its biggest fan. But I don't think I can call it objectively bad in the same way that I can call something uh, like... Jesus, I, I'm blanking. But something <laughs> something like Mario, I guess, then. I, I can see how that is bad. Um, it's just that I like it. D does that make sense? I'm really sorry, listeners. I have had two horrendously early starts thanks to my day job this week. So my brain is mush. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this is necessarily terrible at a surface level. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got a similar sort of um, feeling towards this. I mean, I this is... I, I grew up with Star Wars, as, as as you did. I grew up with the originals. Um, I mean, there's a, an off-quoted story um, of my brother, which we, we used to watch it so much as kids. More him than me at the time, because he was that much older. But it would be on, we'd be playing in the living room, it'd be on TV, because we we'd videoed it off TV. And of any of the Star Wars films, of any of the original three, he'd be reciting the words as they went along. He'd leave the room to go to the toilet or to go upstairs to get something, and he'd come back down, and he'd be in perfect time with the recording, even to the point where if it got to an ad break, he'd be in time with the fucking ads. We watched it that much. Wow. So, I mean, when this came out, I mean, this was 99, so obviously, you know, we, we ain't kids anymore at this point. 
and it's, they did the re-release of the original trilogy. They remastered them, released them in cinemas in '97, which I'd seen. Yep. But it wasn't anything new because, I mean, yeah, okay, they added stuff and whatever else, but it was still the Star Wars I'd grown up with. This was the first one for me. This is the first time I got to be excited about seeing Star Wars because and I'd never seen it. Lies the rub. Isn't yeah, it? because I mean, we all got excited for this. Well, this is it. I mean, I, so I, 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 I was quite uh, eager to see this, and then when it came out, we were on holiday, um, annoyingly. So um, I had to wait like an extra fortnight to see it, um, which really fucked me off. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was one of those that yes, there are problems with it, and we'll we'll get, we'll get to those in a second because you know, there are problems which I, th- I think are very difficult to ignore. Um, but there are problems which people have made of it, which I don't think necessarily are there. And there are some people who kick it because it's Star Wars. It, no, it's like no, not like Star Wars was the precursor to I've never seen. I've never seen Game of Thrones. It's no, it was the it was the sort of the unpopular popular thing. I, and I think it's kind of damned on on both sides there because yes, there are people um, that will that will not like it just because they don't like Star Wars or they don't like sci-fi or geek culture or whatever. Um, and then. Look, I'm sorry, but whatever way you slice it, there are people who don't like this for hipster bullshit reasons as well. Yeah, that's right. They don't like it because they liked Star Wars before this. Yeah. You know, they, they liked it before it was cool, if you like. Um, look, that that's bullshit. Yeah, um, and I would just boot that anyway because Star Wars has always been fucking cool. Yeah, exactly. But you know what I mean. They, yeah, no, exactly. The guys of, I mean, yeah. of the our age and older who are original trilogy fans, just as both of us are, um, but then who will discount this at face level because it's not their Star Wars. And we've talked about this at length um, with reboots and remakes on on all of the shows across this network. And I think our views on it are, are very similar. And I think they've been aired many, many times. So I won't go into them too much here. But look, at the end of the day, if it ain't for you, then it ain't for you. But you don't have to shit on it for everyone else. Well, yeah, that's uh, it says the two guys with an entire podcast <laughs> shitting on Game of Thrones. Um, but yeah, that comes well, from the place of love. Is yeah, the let's be fair. We, we've got an entire network of, of podcasts shitting on pretty much everything. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's never going to be for everyone, but there's, there does seem to be a certain subsect of people who are quote-unquote fans of sci-fi or whatever who are, no, that's not right. That, no, that, that's rubbish. It has to be rubbish because I don't like it. And I think that's the bit that pisses me off because... It's like, no, everyone's entitled to their own opinion unless it's different to mine, in which case, fuck off. And I, I fundamentally disagree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're entitled to your opinion all day long, and it's fine if it's not the same as mine. Just don't be a dick about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, just, just before we dive into the, you know, the full-on analysis of it then and, and, and running through the film as we do, um, just, I, I think you've already sort of made your feelings on it on it clear and, and your history with it and, and just... To bring everyone up to speed with mine, it's, it's very similar to yours. I believe this was out in the summer holidays. I want yeah. to say I don't think this was a Christmas release like the, no, the no, Disney. It launched in be. June. It was I end, end of so. May in the states and beginning of June here. Yeah, because I remember not being in college at all, um, and I remember going to watch it uh, in the middle of a week. Um, it would it had only been out about two days. The cinema bizarrely was practically fucking empty because it was like ten o'clock in the morning. Um, best time to watch movies yeah but but it was early enough and you have to remember this was still relatively early in terms of social media and and the internet things like that we weren't as connected as we we were now so there wasn't massive negative buzz at that point 
I remember going in with a you know a high excitement level for this. I was pumped. It was a new Star Wars film. I hated the title from the first time I ever heard it. Um, so I was already sort of slightly uh, on edge, I suppose. But but I was excited. Um, and I came out of it feeling like somebody had just punched me in the stomach, to be honest. Um, my first viewing of Phantom Menace, yeah, I, I very firmly fell in that camp of what the fuck was that bullshit um and then my relationship with it has been kind of weird because i feel like i was so disappointed with phantom menace that i went into episode two expecting absolutely nothing and on first viewing of that ended up thoroughly enjoying it um and then (laughs) I went into episode three expecting it to be like episode two. And again, it wasn't. Mm. And I just kind of felt meh about episode three. And now having rewatched this original trilogy two or three times since I've not watched it loads, certainly not as much as, you know, uh, as our trilogy, as, as the, yeah. the Holy Trinity, if you will. Um, but my opinion on these films has almost entirely flip flopped in that time. <laughs> I, I do now you know, I can see all of the negative criticism leveled at episode two, and I agree with the majority of it. Um, I definitely think that is now the weakest of these three. Um, I think episode three is head and shoulders better than the other two. Yeah. And this one sits somewhere in the middle for me. This, I can watch this film objectively now. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just okay. Um, what I did find it to be during this viewing was fucking boring yes um, really fucking boring um yeah. which i remember it being from the first time out and then i've kind of got into since but i guess that's a good jumping off point for us um yeah i mean i i've got a bit i mean i i'm not i'm not quite as i wasn't quite as negative i, I came out of it thinking about well it's not it's not what the originals were but there was enough about it jar jar aside there was enough about it where i went you know what I I can I can live with that. I'm quite happy with that. It's not it's it's not the original trilogy. It all looks a bit clean. It all looks a bit shiny. All a bit new and all the rest of it. But it's a goofy Star Wars story. I can take it. I'm not that bothered about it. Um, episode two um, again, I thought was infinitely better at the time. Um, came away thinking right now they're back on track. They've kind of done what they like. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't a group of us go to like a midnight screening? We did of episode three of episode in, three. Uh, in Cardiff. We did. We did. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I again, I didn't mind that. I thought it was, I, th- I thought it was, it was all right. I, I thought the the bits, the set pieces I was expecting, like the um, the fight with Anakin and Obi Wan, I thought was done really well. Um, choreograph, well, choreography wise, um, dialogue again was fucking awful. But that's not a problem. I mean, it's so time. it's so bad, it's memeable. Um, um, obviously, I mean, I mean, obviously there 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 are other writing choices in that film as well, which just make you want to die inside a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I I don't have the problem. That a lot of the problems a lot of people have with these with original with this prequel trilogy i've got to be honest um and i think there are some questionable bits i mean you talk about um fundamentals being boring there the action bits are good the sequences are good they're superb and and we'll touch on that you know as we as we go through the the action in this film when it comes yeah is top notch yeah it it really is top notch and it's a massive step up from what we saw in the original trilogy i mean you look totally yeah. I mean, the one thing that always grabs me, I can't remember which star, I think it's um, Jedi Outcasts, um, the Jedi Knight game, and you can choose your lightsaber style. When you eventually get a lightsaber, you can yes. choose your style. 
And there's actually a style of lightsaber which is like the original movies, and it's so fucking stiff and so rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've got these various other styles where you've got like um, kind of like a, a fencing style, and one one which is very much akin to what you get in the in the prequel trilogy. So I mean, they've done no, it's it's the work that it's so it's so obvious you can see no, you can see Darth Vader pivoting at the uh, pivoting at the waist because he doesn't know what to do with his feet, and he's holding it very stiffly in two hands. All of that went away in, in in these prequels. All of a sudden, they had proper no, everything was properly choreographed. They had proper swordsmen and, and no, martial artists in to teach them how to fight properly with weapons. It, that stuff looked fucking amazing. The problem I had with this film from the off, and it's in the it's in the in the crawl, so you, you know it's coming straight away. The first line is the taxation of trade routes. Yes, uh, and my immediately my first... ears started fucking bleeding. Yeah, I'm thinking, my, what, what are we going to have? I've got, the the yeah. music is going, and I'm really happy. Taxation of trade routes. And all of a sudden, fuck, right, okay. And all the stuff with the Trade Federation, they, it's, it serves no, it's it's there to set up what's coming later in, in the trilogy, but it doesn't go anywhere. You see, the problem is, and, and you're dead right, my first note, my first note that I've taken on this film literally says, I mean, this crawl is fucking awful, right? That yeah. is the first thing I've written. Like, it is awful. The crawl is boring as hell. Even reading it, you're not pumped going into it. No, and that my main problem with this film is that it is a film of two halves. It is schizophrenic. You've got yes. the whole story about the Trade Federation, and then you've got the whole story about Qui Gon finding Anakin. The two don't mesh. No. Ultimately, the film is about nothing because of it. It is a, an entire film of setup. It's not really about anything at all. And there is a lot of just random talking. Now, I don't hate all of the stuff with the Trade Federation. I just hate it in this film. Yeah. If we had that, if we had a political thriller set in the Star Wars universe, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I don't want it in this film because it brings all of the action to a grinding halt. It's nonsensical. It's boring. Like, it's it's just fucking awful. And Lucas's main defense over these original trilogies and any hardcore Star Wars fans' defense is always, yes, but they're children's films. They were made for children. Well, actually, if they were made for children, how about you lay off the fucking politics? Because children don't understand that. No, or children they don't want give a to shit. see the laser swords. Well, okay? that's it. And I mean, I my my thing with this, right? They, he's he's very much tried to remake the original trilogy, just with a different part of the same story, but the same format. So the first one could kind of stand alone. The second one is where you get into the, the nitty gritty of the universe, and the third one's where it all comes to a head. I get that. And if he'd done, if he'd totally done that, so the first one is. Um, for whatever reason, there's a rescue mission as opposed to all the politicky crap. There's a rescue mission. It goes awry. They end up in Tatooine. He finds Anakin, etc. So that's all fine. Second one, you spend setting up the fucking Trade Federation, the droids, the um, building up the Clone Wars, all that sort of stuff that's in there. Great. And then the third one goes along the lines of where it is just without some of the shitty dialogue. I'd have been far happier with that than what we get here because you're right. There's The stuff in here, which is good, it's very good, but the rest of it, you're thinking... Why do I give a fuck? Yeah. Why do I actually care? And then you've got the um, the the viceroy of the Trade Federation. He, he looks like fucking Squidward for a start. He's got a horribly racist accent, but that's nothing new for Star Wars. That, yeah, that's 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 completely by the by for Star Wars, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, you know, and we'll get to that later on as well with uh, with Watto. But you've got these these characters, and you're just like, 
Apart from okay, we, we've seen we know Obi Wan. You recognize Obi Wan straight away because um, Ewan McGregor does a fantastic Alec Guinness impression in this film. Um, He's also name checked almost immediately. Like one of the first yeah, things just in case out you don't of know. Liam Neeson's mouth is the words. I, I forget the exact line, but he name checks him almost immediately, yeah, just, just so that case. you understand that this is Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, this is this is your link back to the original film. Yeah, so you get that, and like, the stuff with them is great. But then the 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 whole thing with the trade federation that the characters are just they're just I don't want to say not they're not believable because they're fucking aliens in a trade battle with laser no people with laser swords and guns and shit but they they just it's like they don't the characters don't know, they've been written in a way that they don't know what to do and they've been directed in a way that they don't know what to do because all anybody wants to see is the Jedi and the fighting and shit nobody actually wants to see this stuff and I think even when they're making it they're going oh, what am I doing now. Where's the camera? What? What's going on? What's he doing? Yeah. And to be fair, you get that, like, you know, as we move through this opening scene, which, you know, with the Jedi, whenever we're with the Jedi, this scene is fucking awesome. I love this opening scene. It's mm. awesome. It, it, it really is. The opening fight is, I feel like, you know, especially the first time that, that I saw it, I remember just thinking, like, this is, this is Jedi's being jedis like you say well, we yeah, never really we've never got seen that in the first trilogy we got these sort of because because luke was never really a jedi like yes no. I, I know he is but he was never part of the jedi order because by the time he was a jedi knight there, there was no jedi order you know so he he was well as, as he's been called he was the last jedi wasn't he and, and darth vader of course was was in his armor and his mobility was was restricted so we've never seen jedi just really kicking ass and taking names yeah and watching them do that is fucking thrilling. And you understand instantly why they're such a, these revered knights, you know, why yeah. they're this force to be reckoned with, because they were absolutely just mopping the floor with everything that the Trade Federation throws at them. It's just everything is just cannon fodder to them. You know, they just, they cut through the droids like like they're nothing. You know, the point the blast doors comes down and Qui-Gon is just like, yeah, whatever, I'll burn yeah. through them. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're unstoppable. And all of that is brilliant. And then, yeah. yeah, you just keep cutting to this horrendous just Trade Federation nonsense with badly animated puppets panicking. And yeah. worse still. It's not just them that suffer from the direction, as you say. When the action is good, the Jedi's are good. But when they have to talk, when they have lines to deliver, yeah. Even these guys, even Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor. Well, that's like, what I was going to say. Performances are so wooden. They're yeah. so so wooden. They are. I mean, the thing that strikes me with it as well. I mean, I I can't watch this film anymore without having visions of Ewan McGregor and Noel Gallagher having a fucking sword fight in, in Noel's back garden pissed. Because yeah. no, that, that was the story that came out years ago and it's, you know, it's been verified and all that. But I, so I can't watch it. But then you see the first thing you get, you know, the, so they, the, the, the protocol droid goes in and then you know, there's the gas and all that. And they come out, let, you, know, you get the, uh, the lightsabers go up first. You just see, you know, see those in the, in the, in the green cloud. Then they burst out and they start kicking ass. And all that. But then you've got these really clunky shots. And I think they do it again later on as well, which they're POV shots from you and McGregor as he's cutting these droids in half. Yeah. And it just looks fucking awful. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate them, but I don't like them either. But it, but in general, if it's, if it's action, I'm fine with it. It's, it's shot serviceably. There are, there are moments like yeah, the lightsabers lighting up in the room full of smoke is is awesome, yeah. and that is the point where like those those lightsabers snap on and you're just like okay, yeah, shit's I mean. going down. 
Yeah. And it does, you know, and it's all great apart from Ewan McGregor's fucking trademark leapfrog move that he seems to do in every fight, yeah. um, which is just comical. Um, yeah. But other than that, everything is is awesome. They look badass. You know, these yeah. th- these two guys are, are in their prime here. Ewan McGregor still very young. Liam Neeson is like, what, late 40s, approaching early 50s, I guess, by this point. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, these are two just badass looking guys kicking the shit out of evil robots. And I am all in for that. And then we cut from this, like... We just get the, the trademark wipe, which is fine because it's Star Wars. And we're yeah. just straight into talking bullshit. And yeah. it's like the the line, that, and, and I constantly just, I constantly make fun of this line. So I've got to bring it up here as well because this is where we actually get it. You get the line, a communication disruption can mean only one thing, invasion. Um, or fucking or, you know, Northern Lights. Oh, like, no, yeah. three's gone down again. Yeah, try try living in the fucking valleys and having phone phone. <laughs> like seriously. Yeah, yeah communication black. I mean one thing. Rest. It's fucking Thursday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like just... what a fucking leap that is. <laughs> yeah. A communications disruption, so we're getting invaded. Um yeah. okay. Uh, and then as if that wasn't bad enough, you then get to this horrendous scene where it becomes apparent that whilst he may look badass with a lightsaber, Liam Neeson does not know how to run. He's no Tom Cruise, because uh, him running through the forest is dreadful. It is. And, and... I think there's, you've got to give him a, a certain a certain degree of pass because so much of this wasn't actually fucking there. Yeah, and also he's wearing the robes, which yeah. are anyway, but still. So I mean, you, you you've got to give him a little bit of credit for it. Yeah, you're right. It does look fucking awful, but yeah, you just think it's it's one of those you're thinking right actually so much to that was no he's probably in a, a room with a, a a green floor and a green background and he can't he can't tell if he's standing up or lying on the wall no but so it's, it's quite fair, difficult to, to judge yeah, to be fair at this point i feel like it's worth talking about um i meant to talk about it when we first see the ship landing at the beginning like a lot of the cg in this film still holds up there yeah. is some of it that absolutely doesn't and i'll point that out as we go through one of one of the things that does not up is coming up very shortly. Yeah, I've got uh, one as when, well. When it looks bad, it looks really fucking bad. But when it, you know, most of the time, it's still as good as anything that's put out today, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, um, mean, I mean, Lucasfilm are, are fucking market leaders at well, this. Well, this, 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 is, this is ILM, isn't it? This is, this, this is Lucas at his finest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that that's something that is fair. And like, even the... the the droids and that and stuff like that as well. Yes, okay. No, there will there will have been some models of droids that got the shit kicked out of them, but a lot of those will have been CG'd as well. And they it doesn't they don't look like they've been CG'd and plonked in. They look like they you know, they look like they could have been there. Yeah, they really do. And and I mean the design on them is a bit shit. I'm not gonna. Uh, we, we can talk about that uh, at some point as well. But they they look authentic, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge with stuff like this. And when you get to the Gungans and stuff like that, there are different issues. But certainly the droids look. They no, they look like they could have been there. They could have been in stormtrooper costumes and be on set. Yeah, totally. And and credit to Lucas there. Like this is something he really does have a handle on. Like yeah. effects is his thing. Like at no point even does it look like any of the actors are interacting with something that isn't there. No, you know which which can be a problem with heavily CG films. And you get you that's know? a problem now. I mean, we're, we're twenty years removed from that, and it's, it's still yeah. a problem in a lot of films now. People don't know how to how to act with with things that aren't yeah. there. And, and at no point is that an issue. Like you totally buy 
for how however you feel about him for instance you totally buy that jar jar is a character that is there yeah and it, uh, you know he is maintaining eye line with these other actors and things so that's all fine um and yeah i mean here he comes he pops up in this scene and now let, let's dive into him i've never had a massive massive problem with jar jar i don't like him he annoys me but i've never had the level of hate for him that that some people have. Yes, he has. He is horrendously racist. Yes. Horrendously, horrendously. Absolutely. No question about it. And I am not defending that. Um, but he's never totally got on my tits. No. Until I'm... now, this viewing, he absolutely <laughs> and he immediately he showed up, opened his mouth, and I was just, oh. Fuck off, Jar Jar. Like, instantly. And, I, and I've written it in my notes as well. Like, Jar Jar is doing my fucking head in already. Um, yeah. I, I, I think a lot of it, I mean, as a, as a device, I think, you know, as, as a plot device, he's, you know, he's very useful. As a character, I think he's just not utilised at all. And I say he's this, just this massive racist parody. But I don't have... I said, there's some absolute fucking vitriol towards the character and towards the actor as well, which I think is absolutely disgraceful um, on behalf of people who call themselves. Oh, fans. I mean, I, we won't get into it here, but if anybody's, yeah, if anybody doesn't know the story of what happened, yeah, the actor, Google, like, Google, Google Ackman best. Because, yeah, that is yeah, that, toxic that's, fandom and it's that's absolute fucking uncalled for. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't find Jar Jar any more annoying than I found fucking Wicket. I've got to be honest. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's that's how I felt about him as well. Um, I mean, Gungans because I was like never a I was, reincarnation of the Ewoks. Yeah, I, and I was never annoyed by Ewoks originally either because no, exactly. I was quite age for him. Yeah. Um, but this time out, he's really fucking done my head in, and I totally get it now. I totally get all of the Jar Jar hate because I just wanted to reach through the screen and throttle the little prick every time he was on screen. Yeah, um, I, I don't have that. I mean, I I get I get that with certain characters in this film. I don't get. I, Jar Jar is, is annoying and he's shit, but I don't know what I'd say. I don't hate him. I don't want to damage my TV over it. Um, which, you know, I have heard of people throwing things at the TV and stuff yeah. like that, which is just fucking stupid. It's a movie. I mean, I should probably preface some of this as well by, by saying that um, I had to do um, all of my watching for this week's shows in one big block this weekend. So I was watching this straight off the back of Game of Thrones as well. Um, and so just coming into a similar sort of politically charged war story, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and seeing a fucking moron like Jar Jar dropped into it just jarred me. You know, things like the Jedi Knights and, and the Council and all that, I was kind of, yes, yeah, sort of par for the course, different setting, but thematically reasonably similar. Um, yeah. But, you know, even Game of Thrones at its worst doesn't have a Jar Jar. So no, it, has, it has a Greyjoy, fucking Theon Greyjoy. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not that um, we've been doing I, this too long. I'll, I'll take Jar Jar over Theon. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, but yeah. So I mean, I, I, so I, 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 I say I don't, I don't like Jar Jar, but I, I don't mind Jar Jar. This scene, um, again, there's some really fucking clunky dialogue because, of course, there is, um, but. It's functional, it gets them to the point where they're saying, right, we can get to a city, we can get to Gunga City, it's under the water, and you get this bit where Jar Jar dives in, he does this really over-exaggerated fucking swan yeah. dive, triple pike leap, whatever the fuck it is, and then you get just completely nonchalantly um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon wading up to their nuts, and then, then they pause, have a little conversation, then put their fucking breathing things in. Now, the shot where they're, they're up to their waists in water, and they turn back, 
for some reason. I can't. I'm not sure. I can't remember what the, the point of it is. I think it's part of the dialogue. But behind them, and I don't know whether it's because it's the HD render, and it shouldn't be because. And so this is no. It was all digital anyway. Um, but for whatever reason, watching it on my iPad yesterday, um, it looks as though they've been dropped in completely on a blurred screen. It, I can't um, say that I noticed that. It was uh, a blurred screen. Probably too hard. It, it's kind of like there was an oil painting being projected onto the green onto the the, the chroma key. And then okay. they've been superimposed in front of it. It just doesn't look like it matches. And I don't I, know what I don't know whether that's. I mean, I don't remember noticing it before, but I don't think I've ever watched ever so watched it so carefully as I did this time. I I can't say I've noticed that, and I was watching it on a reasonably large TV, um, on a on a HD render, but also I was taking notes, so it may very well have been that you know that is a quick scene. Oh, it's a very so, quick shot as well. No, yeah. Uh, so I may not have been, and, and to be honest, I was more wrapped up at this point in something I've made a note of here as well. Bear in mind, they've held their breath whilst an entire room slowly fills with smoke. Yeah. They now all of a sudden need fucking rebreathers to well, do a bit of swimming. Well, maybe they only work in water. Hmm? Maybe they only work in water. Maybe they don't work with gas. Maybe. I don't know. But all of a or, sudden... Or maybe it's just a massive fucking plot hole. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because if you can hold your breath for, what, five minutes while that room fills with smoke? Well, yeah, it wasn't a small room, was it? Surely you can swim to the fucking Gungan City. But... Well, yeah. Because, I mean, once you get there, you can breathe, because well, yeah, you're in the magic bubble, Aquaman you're bubble, or rather yeah. Aquaman does their bubble, I guess. Um, I don't know, the bubbles are in the comics first, I guess, aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah, they get to, they get to the fucking gungan city and this is where the effects are really fucking the gungan city and especially boss nas who has no lighting at all mm. like there is no lighting effect on boss nas at all they it all looks like it's been rendered on a fucking amiga it's awful <laughs> yeah i think they spent i think the problem is they spent most of the budget for that scene on brian blessed uh, yeah, who is great because he's Brian Blessed. Yeah, but, um, but the again, character of Boss Nass is infuriating. Yeah. You think Jar Jar's annoying? Boss Boss Nass is twice as bad. The, the problem is that you've got Boss Nass who looks like a giant fucking toad, talks like Yoda on fucking speed. I just there's nothing redeeming about him, and he's just so fucking easy. I, I know they're Jedi and they manipulate him and all the rest of it, but he's just so fucking useless. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. it's nothing to this film whatsoever. Not um, at all. I mean, they'd be they'd be better off. I mean, you have you, you see him, I think twice. Um, there's a scene later on with Natalie Portman. Um, but then there's his general, the guy with the fucking walrus tash. Yeah, it's far more useful useful all through the film. Just have and, him, and he's a much better character. He's easily the best gun gun character. Yeah. Um, Although to be fair, he didn't have a lot of competition, did he? No, but your boss Nass is just horrendous pitch into the store stuff, which you know is Brian Blessed. Yes, yeah, so you know where you're getting with Brian Blessed. I mean, he's he's doing adverts for I think it's a betting company now, isn't that a sports betting mm-hmm. company? And okay, I know it's exaggerated, but yeah, he's he's playing Brian Blessed, isn't he? But it's all the stuff with the old and all of yeah. that. You just oh, fuck although, off. Although again, to give credit to ILM, the way that's animated is brilliant because you see every <laughs> every ripple on every jowl, you see the spit flying. That is absolutely spot on. It just doesn't need to be there in the first place. No, and, and there's no lighting effect, so it, it looks awful. Um, so, yeah, we get this whole thing where, you know, they they get Jedi mind tricked and they get the, they get the like, underwater sub yeah. ship thing. We get the whole fish chase. There's always yeah. a bigger fish. Fuck yeah. off. And then fuck, for some fuck, reason there's fucking dinosaurs down fuck, there as well. Fuck, 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 fuck all the way off then fuck off some more yeah like just get fucked 
seriously. This is one of the problems with this entire first trilogy of films is that George Lucas fundamentally is not funny. Occasionally, the Star Wars films are very funny. And you can attribute that more to the cast taking the piss out of his dialogue, I think, than you can with him actually trying to be funny. Visually, he can be funny. He can hit a good sight gag. I'll give him that. Yeah. Um, But in his writing, he is painfully unfunny. And it's it's almost like he feels like there needs to be a quip here, which is why we get the bigger fish line. Like there needs to be something said. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't need to be anything said. We can just have an exciting chase scene with the giant fish. It's yeah, fine. But not only that, you it's like anytime anytime he wants to end the scene, Obi-Wan has to make a quip. Yeah, but and that no, you're right about one thing. The, no, the negotiations were short. Um yeah. uh, anything of that. It's like, oh yeah, we've got to fin we, we need to finish an Obi-Wan. Why? Yeah. Because we now, do. We need him to do something. Is, that is pretty bad in this film. That is fucking horrendous in episode two. Obi-Wan, like, is an absolute cocky little shit in episode. Don't get me wrong, I love him for it. Mm. But the actual stuff he's pulling out of the bag, the one-liners, again, are painfully unfunny, and it's every scene. He takes every opportunity to belittle Anakin with a one-liner. It's no wonder Anakin wants to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Um, But I kind of love it, because I kind of feel like Ewan McGregor actually knows what he's doing, because he always does it with a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek. There's a proper twinkle when he's doing it. Yeah, totally. Like, he's reading this shit going, this is ridiculous, but so, I'm in Star you, you Wars and me... I'm playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, so I don't well, care. Well, that's it. That's it. You want me to say what now? Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, you really yeah, okay, want me to say this? All right, no problem. Yeah, yeah, you know what? That's fine. I'll take that. Yeah, I will take the massive check that you're giving me, and I'll go and play with my lightsaber. Thanks yeah. very much. Um, so, yeah, we get these horrible puns and one-liners all the way through this trilogy, and they really are fucking awful um this is the first really really bad one I, at least the negotiations were short or you were right the negotiations were short. it's bad but it's not as bad as this i can kind of swallow that um, yeah. I, and i think this is worse with the bigger fish one because it's liam neeson delivering it as well yeah and i love liam neeson i think he's a fantastic actor i think he he has a fuck ton of charisma to spare but yeah. is a very specific kind of charisma and it is not smarmy one-liners. No. It is It is just absolute cool, calm, collected, look at me wrong, and I will take you apart systematically. That's yeah. Liam Neeson, not, well, there's always a bigger fish. Terrible. Yeah, absolutely awful. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't remember seeing Liam Neeson do this sort of role before. You know, I mean, he, he, was, he always did very serious stuff before this, didn't he? Yes. And then this came along, and all of a sudden he had this complete like personality transplant in terms of his career. Where I said, "Oh well, I'll, I'll do, I'll go and do the A team, and I'll go and do Taken because why the fuck not?" And all of a sudden, there's this entirely different side of him came out, whereby he's not this you know, serious actor playing these serious historical figures. Um, no, I think I was no, thinking no, things like Schindler's List and Rob Roy and stuff like that. He's now he's now playing funny hard men. Yeah, there is. Um... There's a very real and quite tragic reason for that. Yeah, um, one side, didn't she? Yes, and Liam Neeson took a very different path in his career from that point. Um, he used that as kind as kind of a springboard, uh, if you like, or, or a wake up call. So there is there is reason behind that, but it's certainly not done him any harm. No, um, I, 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 think I, I, I think he's fantastic at what he does. He's a, he's yeah. an amazing actor anyway, but I think in that kind of role, he is fantastic. Um, and and he, look, 
unquestionably he is one of the best things about this film oh yeah uh, definitely there is just the occasional misstep with things and and look he's always wooden but the character of qui-gon um is one that i enjoy immensely and i wish we got to spend more time with yeah. i wish we had him in more films and i'd happily eat up anything else like we're getting ewan mcgregor coming back now with disney plus if they were to do that with liam neeson i'd be all over that shit yeah um, i mean i was i mean there, there was an opportunity as well because i mean they, it was done as such a throwaway thing at the end of episode three whereby um yoda's of telling um obi-wan that um your old master has learned to communicate through the force yeah, we we could have seen him quite easily. Yes, as opposed to being told that because we know it happens because in in you know, thirty odd years time in story world or wherever it is, Obi Wan will do it. Yeah, he will. No, he will appear as a Force ghost. So just show us that instead, and no, he can re- he can react to that as opposed to against against some really fucking ropey dialogue with Yoda. Yeah. Um, but I, but I'd yeah, be happy of... to see Qui Gon again. I've got to be honest. Yeah, so would I. Um, but one liners really not the strong point here um no and that's that's no real slight on Liam Neeson as I say it's not really his character um and when he does have the one-liners that I I feel like they need to be very droll um and and they're just not clever enough George Lucas is not a good enough writer to pull that off no so but I think I don't think they're needed either I think that's one thing that's it pops up throughout the the prequel trilogy is that you don't need these gags. It's not that sort of film. But again, they're so out of step with this whole political tension, as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's so. This film is so schizophrenic. It really is. Um, yeah. So we get this chase sequence with it with the fish. Um, then we come back to Naboo, which is now occupied. Yeah. Um, after literally no battle whatsoever. Yeah. Like, or at which least I... not one that we see. The troops well, land and they don't... immediately occupy Naboo. Well, we do, yeah, we don't see it, but then we don't see any sort of Naboo force. The only sort of Naboo force we see is the, like the Queen's Guard. Yeah, there's there like is, ten there of them. Nothing. They don't have there's, an army. There's they have only ships. We're constantly being told throughout this film about the massive death toll. The massive death toll on Naboo. Um, where? Where? Because it looks yeah, like hardly any fucker people? lives there. But and again, it, it's 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 an, it's an occupation, but there doesn't seem to be any resistance. So who died? Yeah. It's, yeah bad yeah um, it is um yeah it's just again it's it's the sort of thing i think that we we're expected to just kind of overlook or to not notice or to assume that because you know because there's an invasion there would have been battles and there would have been casualties but yeah. at no point do we see any smoldering buildings or any you know or any you know, broken droids anywhere or any bodies or any you know any sign of any sort of battle it's literally no. just the droids have come down and they've bent over and said where do you want to put it yeah exactly um I, I, you know, speaking of droids, then I, I'm starting to get cheesed off for this film. At this point, we've had the awesome bit at the start, and it's been boring for a good 15, 20 minutes, and then it instantly improves 1,000 percent with the appearance of R2D2. Yes, like literally, that is the happiest I've been in the entire film. Like R2 shows up, and I'd forgotten he was in it this early. I knew he was in it towards the end. Bartu yeah. showed up and I was like, just huge smile on my face immediately. Yeah, I mean, before we get there, you get, there's a scene in the hangar, isn't there, where they rescue the party. They, they intervene, they rescue um, Amidala and the, sort of the Royal yeah. Commission or wherever they are. They go into the hangar, the pilot's being held by these droids. And again, cool as you like, Liam Mason walks up and he's like, I'm taking these, I'm taking these people to, to Coruscant. And the droid, since when do robots have fucking personalities? Yeah, it's a bit weird, this, isn't it? This, oh, where, no, I'm taking them to Coruscant. Where are you taking them? To Coruscant. Uh, that doesn't consume. Uh, let me see. Uh, you're under arrest. No, you're a fucking robot. Go with your programming. Yeah, 
if it doesn't compute, it doesn't compute. You don't you don't think about it, and you wouldn't yeah, and, say that doesn't say, compute. You're yeah, under and, arrest. Out, yeah, out. and you wouldn't say uh and try and buy time. That's what no. a person would do. If you're a droid, be a fucking droid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that really annoyed me. And at, at this point, I started looking at the, so the design of the droids as well because they just it's the sort of thing that they, no, I said they're, they're animated well, you know, they're, they're they're developed well, they're rendered well, and that's fine. But whoever designed them didn't no, they didn't design a battle droid, which is what these things are supposed to be. Um, I actually really like the droid design. These ones specifically, these kind of well, they cannon fodder essentially. The, these troops, but I... they're too small to be cannon fodder. Yeah, but they're they're legion. They're small and they're cheap, is what they are. Um, and I, I like them for that. They, you know, the destroyers are your heavy hitters, and then later on we'll get the clones. These are just small and cheap. So I I really like the design of these droids. I think they look cool. I think they look quite original. Um, oh, they definitely look original. And, and I love you know what they work for really well. And I'd like to think there's been some thought going into this. Is there is a lot of force push in this trilogy? That is something the Jedi's do a lot. And these droids look fucking comical. When you force push them, and they've got these gangly limbs that just fly everywhere, and they look great because they land in this crumpled mass of just arms and legs, um, and and they're great for that. So I I like to think maybe there's some physics involved there in the design, like they thought oh, they look really I think funny. Too been, much credit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I really think that might have been thought of because they know the effects guys know they're going to be animating a lot of force push. And the best way to sell that is to just see these arms and legs going, you know, and watch these droids crumple against the wall. Um, but the personality thing is odd as well, isn't it? Because yeah. droids in the Star Wars universe are weird in general um, yeah. because they do seem to have a level of sentience. C-3PO, for instance, obviously yeah. can, can think for himself, has, a, has an artificial intelligence. So does R2. Um, R2 even sort of has his own language as such. He speaks in these droid bleeps and bloops. So... You know, it, it shouldn't seem weird for these droids to speak like that, but because they're sold as these kind of cannon fodder troops with who are there to just perform arbitrary tasks, hmm. it does seem weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's almost it just... like there's a hierarchy of droids. Well, um, well, there is. I mean, because I mean, in terms of well, well, from from their point of view, very literally, there is a hierarchy. There's a military right now. The, the ones with the yellow stripes are outrank the other ones and stuff like that. So you've got that, but then. So they're the only ones who generally get speaking, so it's like they've kind of put the yellow stripe on, so they know which one to animate properly. But yeah, it just seems—I don't know—it just seems to be this this weird, this weird character has been applied to a droid that's literally just going to be cut in half in like four seconds, yeah. and I, it just seems to be really out of place and really weird. It's it's bugged me since nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it it is a bit odd, but it it doesn't. And I thought it was odd as well, but it's it's weird that we find it odd. Um. But yes, yeah, so you get that scene. We get R2 showing up and we get to spend some time with Natalie Portman now. This is where she really comes yeah. into the film. Um, now, here's the thing. I like Natalie Portman a great deal. Mm. A great, great deal. Um, she is, in this film, I would say, short of Qui-Gon, the best thing in the film. Yeah. Uh, but after this film, she's fucking dreadful. In the, yes. In the rest of this trilogy. Um, yeah, this I mean, character is moment. squandered so badly, and it's not her fault. This is it's in the not, writing. It's the writing, but the problem is as well. This character just completely disappears after this film because yes. I mean, the whole thing of like, you again, you get it in the. I think it's more in the next film, isn't it, rather than this one? But the no queen is a the queen is like a president. It's, no, it's 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 not a, it's not a royal title. It's just a it's it's a leadership position, and you do your term, and then you you leave office, and somebody else takes over. 
so that's kind of weird because anyway, the, the whole idea of you know, that just doesn't sit with the whole point of it but it's like they cut because of that they then you know they take her away from being a queen and make her a senator yeah and they completely redesign her character yeah and it just doesn't make any sense and any in in this film, especially in the scenes with Jake Lloyd, um, with sort of young Anakin, um, there's a very compassionate, very I can't say human side because she's not human, obviously being you no know, different galaxy and the rest of it. But there's a no, there's a lot of empathy put into her character, whereby by the time you get to episode two, she's a caricature of a politician trying to be yes uh, empathetic. I and, agree, and and then weirdly they they sort of in the latter um, act of episode two they turn her into an action hero. Yeah, um, but an action hero can't sell a fall. Yeah, I, I never will wins. Whereas here, she is kind of, nowhere near even fit to to stand next to her. But she is channeling Leia slightly here. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there is this kind of noble upbringing, but not afraid to throw down when. Oh yeah, when she'll get she'll get dirty and, if it's for the good of her yes. people. She'll get her hands dirty. Yeah, and and that's really good, and and I think here at least Amidala is a good character, and Natalie Portman's certainly a good enough actress to sell that. As I say, yes. I, I like Natalie Portman a great deal, um, not just in this, in in just about anything she's in, I, I think she's eminently watchable. Um, but after this, she gets squandered. She does the best with what she's got here, and I think some of the best moments in the film are hers. Um, sadly, though, that doesn't carry through. Just incidentally, something that I noticed, and I was, I've not written it down as a note, but I remember thinking I had to bring it up, and you've given me the perfect in there. She yep. is not human. She is from Naboo, yep. which in the parlance of this film, they are Nubians. Fuck's sake. That is said three or four times. Oh. The first time, I thought I misheard it, but I oh. didn't, because I... it is repeated several times. Nubians. Oh, fuck. Fuck's sake! I hadn't, I hadn't even picked up on that. This is 1999, mind you. Are you sure it's not 1959? Nubians. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there's nothing offensive. I don't think about just using that word, but in context, um, <laughs> surely you could have called them anything else. Like yeah, like anything. Like you know, a- because... any. It's a made-up word, so make up a fucking other one. Yeah, exactly, and especially when okay, there is um, the the queen's guard is black, um, but other than that, they are predominantly white. So oh yeah, you have like token black guy, don't you? The yeah, guy from um, Hobby City. Whose yeah, I can't fucking remember. So that's that's really bad. <laughs> But hey ho, it's good old Georgie boy in it. So well, yeah, exactly. Didn't think about that one, did he? Um, oh, I, I got away with shit like that in the sixties and seventies. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah, obviously Natalie Portman goes with them. Um, they get on this mission to down to um, Tatooine, and just when you thought this film couldn't get any more fucking wooden and stunted, here comes Jake Lloyd. <laughs> now in Jake Lloyd's defence I think he's what about nine at this point and actually in his defence again he's working with material he's given and to be fair sometimes he's actually very very good like very good for his I, age yeah, some I mean, of his scenes are excellent particularly when he's working with Natalie Portman but but any time we get a yippee yes. or he has to interact with children of his own age it's awful it is there, there are a couple of points in the first scene we get with him where again he, do, he does really well with um with jar jar given the fact that jar jar's not fucking there 
Yeah. Um, obviously, not, I, I, my best is there, but he does really well interacting with with Jar Jar, and you know, again, gets the eye line right. He you know, he gets the movement right. That's all fantastic. There's a line whereby uh, Amidala says, "Oh, are you a slave?" And he gets really, he gets offended, and says, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person, and my name's Anakin. Again, he he doesn't do that expression very well. I think he's directed to oh, he he overacts it, but I think he's directed that way. Yeah. So I think that's that's unfortunate for him. But the the scenes where yes, where he, certainly where he's with Natalie Portman, he's very his character is very open, his character is very vulnerable, and he does that very well. Yes, I agree. It's just the bits around it. It's, where... Yeah, and it's it's where look, the problem is. I think you know, and I, I don't want to bash George Lucas too much. I really don't. But George Lucas just really can't do nuance. Is no. the problem, and so Anakin needs to be an excitable child. Yes, and so he writes an excitable child, but he writes an excitable child in the most annoying, excitable child way possible. Like when he's trying to show off three PO, and he can't just say, "Hey, look at my droid." He's like, "Oh, why don't you come and see the robot I built? It's over here. I did this and I did that." And he's just like, "Fuck off! Just shut up, you annoying little turd!" Like, yeah, no. So to be fair, having spent quite a lot of time in the last six and a half years with children and seeing them develop from you now babies who don't talk and who are fairly quiet and fairly placid into fucking six-year-olds who don't shut up, I get where he's coming from, and I've I've had I've been on the receiving end of those uh, conversations, but it's just where you get talked at incessantly. Uh, so I I appreciate that, but the whole point of this is that it's not real life. Yeah, you can you can put a bit you can put you you can use your time and use your efforts better. By concentrating on, let's say, on nuance, you don't yeah. need to to articulate every fucking thought. No, and an annoying child shouldn't just be an annoying child because this is a story that we're trying to tell. So give him a reason to be annoying and cut it off before he's too annoying. Yeah, like fine, he's excited about three PO. I get that. That's okay, and that can be funny. And it, you know, if he's just really excitable for like a couple of seconds. And then we get into activating CPO, uh, C3PO, sorry, and, and let let him run the scene. Fine, but we don't. We drive it home just like you know. If it's fine for Anakin to be excited about racing pods and things like that, but yeah. it's not enough to show us that. He also has to go yippee and run off. Yeah, like no, I've no. never heard a kid say yippee in my entire fucking life. No, neither have I. And the way <coughs> the way he delivers it as well is excruciating. Yes, it is. Um, it really is. So I'm just going to like there is a lot to be said about the next kind of 10 minutes, 15 minutes of this film. And good God, as boring as the Trade Federation stuff is, this stuff, fuck me. How I didn't fall asleep during this part <laughs> of the film. Yeah. Like I, all of this stuff with Anakin and the midichlorians and how he's essentially space Jesus because he doesn't have a father. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole there's there's so much Christian iconography oh, in this fucking film. Jesus I mean, Christ. you, I mean, you're, you're kind of bat- in in the original trilogy, you're battered over the head with you know the whole, the whole light and dark thing, and obviously you got you got Vader's always in black, Luke, Luke right up until Jedi is always in very light coloured stuff, and you've got these very obvious comparisons of good and evil, light and dark, and all that stuff. This just goes a fucking step further to a point where your your villain, your your cent your your centerpiece villain, is red with horns. Give him a fucking tail and a pitchfork while you're at it. Yeah, I mean yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, good point. Darth no Maul is red with horns. Anakin is is literally space Jesus. Yeah, he has no father. He's little white, and he might as well be fucking Aryan. Yeah, I mean that. Come on, 
where did that decision come from? How the fuck? This is what happens, and we've talked about this on Game of Moans as well, but this is what happens when there's no one in the room that's distanced enough from you to go, hey, yes. do you know what's a bad idea? That. Do you know what yeah. you should do? Anything except that. Yeah. Don't make him Jesus. Give him a father. If you want, you can have the mother play it off like she doesn't know who the father is. Fine. Even to a point, like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm rereading the Harry Potter books at the moment just because I saw the end of one on TV the other day, and I thought, oh yeah, I haven't read those for a while, so I'm, I'm going through those now. And even with that, like, you no, know, um, like Harry's parents and Voldemort's parents, they were yes, okay, they they were magical, but they're just people. There's no fucking, you no, know, it doesn't need to be a massive story about how you know one was some fucking all powerful this and some, you know, some supernatural that. It's just they're just people. You could have easily played this off the same way that. His father, no, his father was was a man I loved who, you know, who died or isn't, isn't with us or whatever else, and just leave it at that. You don't yeah. need to bring this fucking supernatural element into it. No, the the line has to start somewhere, and so it can start here. Now, you know, years and years later, we'd see that explored in the Last Jedi, and Star Wars fans would absolutely shit a brick over it. Yeah. Um, I personally really like the direction The Last Jedi went in after Empire. It is my favorite Star Wars film, and I will defend it to the hilt. I think it's phenomenal. And I think some of the story choices that are made in terms of the wider universe in it are bold and yeah. excellent, to be to be frank. I, I love the idea that, that Rey is just some schmo. Her parents are just nobody. So nobody, yeah. And that's what we could have had here with Anakin, and I feel like his journey would have meant so much more yeah, if he, if he came from nothing. He, yeah, if he came from nothing and built himself up and learned all of those traditionally heroic character traits. Yeah. You know, before becoming a spoiled little shit. Because yeah. what we get now is, you know, he, he's born with privilege. He's born a superhero. Yeah. So when he's a spoiled little shit, he is just that, a spoiled little shit. You know, and it, yeah, I, it's a terrible, terrible decision. Pos not possibly, easily the worst in the whole saga to make well, him I mean, space Jesus. I mean, I remember I, I read something fairly recently. It was about um, when Lucas sold up to Disney, um, and they would know he he pitched his sequel trilogy, mm -hmm. um, and there was more explanation. Of, no, it, it was there was more sort of bringing balance to the force, and there was more shit with midichlorians and more shit about the nature of the uh, nature of life and the universe, and no more sort of there was a more philosophical bent to it. And apparently, he had a massive falling out with um, with Disney because when you know, when they took it on board, took him on board, and they bought the company, they said, "Look, we're under no obligation to make this to make anything you give us. We'll you can pitch to us, you can we'll read it. Oh, that's fine, but we're under no obligation." And apparently, and I, I, I mean, I've, I've read this in a few places. And I'll I'll find some links for it. Apparently, he got really pissed at the fact that when they then put for, um, they they started production on Force Awakens, nothing of what he'd written was anywhere near it. Yeah, he very publicly fell out with them. Um, very yeah, publicly, he's he's only very recently. Well, I don't know if he has made up with them. He showed up to the opening of Galaxy's Edge. I, th I think he had. I think he's more or less kind of accepted the fact that yeah, okay, you did tell me that, and I just kind of well, assumed that you were going to do it anyway. I think publicly he's done that. Whether he means it or not, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I watched the the live stream of the opening of Galaxy's Edge, and they they wheel him out because he's George Lucas. Well, yeah, that's it. He very very clearly does not want to be there, and very clearly hates Bob Iger's guts. It's written all over his yeah, face. It's it's but... worth watching. In fact, if if um 
if you know the background of this story and, and you want to see how just how bitter he still is yeah um, but then that, if, if, if i was still up on youtube watch the opening of galaxy's edge and just look at how pissed off he is yeah but i mean if, if i was disney I'd be, I'd be saying well take your four billion and fuck off there well this is the thing in it you know stop being a grumpy old man take the giant pile of money that we've given you and do you know what if you want to make those films go and make them you just can't call them star wars yeah fuck off call tonight. them space trek and just yeah. make them like you know just go and do what you want you've got yeah, four call it, billion call it, call it war, it is, war of the stars time. You know, yeah. go, go do go do what you like. Just take take the money and fuck off and leave us leave us to our yeah, thing. Just, because just fuck off and don't infringe on our copyright. Like, yeah. you know, how dare you play in the universe that you created? Fuck off. Yeah, we bought you out. Yeah, um, it's not yours anymore. It's not your toy anymore. Fuck off. No. Uh, so yeah, we get all of this shit with Anakin, and it's interspersed um, with a brief introduction to Darth Maul, who is barely in this fucking film. Well, again, like they market the way they they marketed this film. He was all over everything, and I think he's in it for like four minutes now. And and here's a big problem: is, is a lot of like I'm saying it's boring, and these stories don't mesh, and it's not about anything. And a lot of that is because there isn't really an antagonist in this no, film. No, there's not. Like I know we're setting up Palpatine. Yeah. But I mean, the only, in the only... setting him up, you still need an antagonist in this film for you it to and, stand and on its you look own. At the, you look at the next film, you look at episode two, and you've got Count Dooku all the way through it. Yes. I mean, he's referenced from practically the first scene. Yes. So right all of a sudden, here. there is this threat. There, you, know, you have got the Separatists, you have Count Dooku. Here, I think the problem they've got is that because it's, it's peacetime and there's nothing going on in the fucking galaxy... Uh, there's, there, no, there's no conflict to draw, and there's nothing that, no, they, they, he's gone, oh, well, yeah, we don't want to play our hand too early. So you've got Ian McDermott chewing the fucking scenery for no apparent reason. And if you, you know, okay, as as original trilogy fan, you recognise the name Palpatine straight away. You recognise the actor, so you know you know who he is. You know who he's going to become. If you're watching this for, no, this is your for your introduction to Star Wars, you're going to be thinking, what the fuck? What's, yeah. what's going on? Where's the, where's the film? Totally. Like, you, there needs to be an antagonist, particularly when you have two fucking awesome Jedis. Yeah as your protagonists, like they are clearly going to mop the floor with anything the trade federation throws at them. So you need this big, bad Sith and Darth Maul looks fucking great. Or at least he did. Now he looks like a fucking mid nineties era wrestler. But at the time he looked fucking great and he's cool with a double ended dildo and stuff. Um, (laughs) You know, he's, he's pretty fucking cool, but he never does anything. He barely speaks. Like, well, he rides around on his that. little bike, you know? He, he barely um, speaks because Ray Park sounds like a fucking uh, Smurf on helium, apparently. Yeah, but, you know, he just rides around on his <laughs> little fucking space moped mm. and as the occasional dust-up with Qui-Gon. Um, yeah, but again, useless. he fights really fucking well. Yeah, he does, uh, and we should get more of him. If this this film was more about the pursuit for Anakin and less about all of the Trade Federation shit, yeah. it would be fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, but what they not. did with the um, with the Clone Wars um, stuff was they, they obviously they reintroduce Darth Maul. Yeah, in that, which again was a fantastically bold move, mm-hmm. um, and confused the fuck out of everyone watching Solo. Yep. Um, Spoilers yeah. for Solo, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, but yeah, it's one of the, it's one of the, there was there was a really interesting character who was never explored, and I think after about 15, 18 years, they went, oh shit, yeah. We could have done something with that. Why yeah. don't we have a think about what we can do? And, and literally, this film 
could have been so, so different if they'd have just slightly throttled back on all of this fucking Trade Federation stuff. Like, yeah, I understand that you want to tell us how the Star Wars started, and that's okay. Yeah. But throttle back on that. Let there be a recognition that this child, this space Jesus, which is what you've set him up to be, yeah. this chosen one, is something that the emerging Sith really want really yeah. fucking badly because they want him on their side and so qui-gon happens to stumble upon him which sets off this whole race from a guffin into motion where qui-gon needs to get him out of there and protect him from the sith and don't let him go to the dark side and just yeah use him as your MacGuffin. but they don't do that at all no that's right and i mean it's quite funny you said that because there's an article i've sent you fucking probably about three years ago now which i have to dig out before we post this online and it it talks about some of the missteps in setting up this this trilogy, and they're not. I mean, this trilogy is pretty much maligned left, right, and center because of the, the politics and stuff like that. But they're not that far off making a very good um, prequel trilogy here. And it's just some of the things, like no, as like you've just said, just some of the things. If they if they dropped certain aspects and explored things they've all they've hinted at it's not as if they've said it's not as if they you know this is somebody going well if they'd done x instead of y and they did introduce this or they, they'd done this which had never been done never been mentioned before that wouldn't work but it's stuff that's it's in the film excuse me it's in it's in the three films so if they just pulled on different threads slightly i think they could have had a far better trilogy that people would have been a lot more receptive of yeah they really could have they, they really really could have it is um, I've drawn the similarity a few times and perhaps it's because I watched them back to back as well but it is the Game of Thrones problem all yeah. over yeah, it, it is, is you, you have something here you just don't know how to capitalise on it well yeah that's and, right and you know I feel like I give Lucas more credit than I give Benioff and Weiss because he is at least he's humble about it you know like he doesn't come out swinging even with the whole Disney thing he didn't have a big public spat he wasn't bragging that he spent all of this money and and didn't know what he was doing. Like he made his film, and it just so happens it's not very good. But yeah, you know that is what it is. He fades <laughs> away into the background again, you know, and and just lives his life quietly. And you've got to kind of respect him for that. Yeah, um, So so yeah, very bad decision there with Darth Maul. Um, and my my next note actually after this is because we start getting into all of this midi chlorine shit again, and the trading for the pod racer and the building the pod yeah. racer. And I've just written with a triple underline. God, I am so fucking bored. Like, I have never... And I can say this, because we haven't been doing this podcast for that long, so I can say this knowing it's 100% correct. I have never been as bored watching a film for this podcast as I was at this midpoint of The Phantom Menace, even when we've been watching Battlefield Earth and it made no sense and they were all talking in exposition. It was more interesting than this shit. Yeah, this is horrendously boring. <laughs> it is, and I think I mean, it's it's a low point for 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 the whole franchise. Actually, I mean, this there's a, there's a sequence in uh, Revenge of the Sith as well, which is similar, where there's a lot of talking and a lot of again, a lot of a lot of jibes, a lot of one liners, a lot of talking about not really a lot, and then we go back into the action. And that's kind of what we do here as well. It's just it's it slows the film down for no reason and far too much. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just bizarre. And the 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 other thing that I've noticed as well, and it's, it's something that comes up. And I, I'm assuming it's to do with his, with the character and the fact he, you know, Obi Wan is rebellious, and he, you know, he, he does he does act, he acts 
against what Qui-Gon tells him in the same way Qui-Gon does to Yoda. And there's a whole thing in um, episode two about the, 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 the fact that it only seemed like seven Jedi who all, they're all fucking interlinked. Um, but the last thing Qui-Gon says to Obi-Wan before they go into Mos Espa is no transmissions in or out. The very next time you fucking see Obi-Wan, he's sat on a, on a bloody conference call with the bastards. Yeah. And so seriously, he just fucking told you, don't talk to anyone until I get back. Yeah. That's and I, on, I think that's an oversight, though. I really do. I think that is just something that they wrote that scene and they went, oh, yeah, Qui-Gon did tell him not to do that. Oh, well, never mind. Never mind. We've done it now. We're not reshooting yeah. it. Because we, we I, I don't think enough out. is made of it, you know? So well, I, I think... It's like dropping your, you know, it's dropping your kid off in a, in, a, in a nonce factory and saying, don't talk to anyone. Yeah, it's it's just another one of those fucking decisions, isn't it? It's it just, just all of this stuff is, is dreadful. It really is dreadful. Um, But then... Like, we get to the pod race. No, the fucking pod race. It's Jesus. fucking incredible. Absolutely Still. insane. And I've, I, I watched, so I, I rewatched, I, 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 I did rewatch the majority of this one yesterday. I could, I could have done this podcast without having rewatched it. I've seen it that many times. So I don't have an issue with it. Um, but I put it on, I said, I stuck my, I had my iPad on, um, stuck my headphones in, and the fucking noise off the pod races. Yeah, I, I was watching it on a full surround sound setup and I cranked it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they sound incredible. It looks incredible. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's a fantastic action sequence, as all of the action sequences in this film are. There just aren't enough of them to counteract yeah. the talking shit. But the pod race, especially, is a real standout moment and obviously is is now legendary and um, there are a few things we don't need to talk too much about i think the pod race in general i think everybody knows what it is it's an yeah. incredibly well put together homage to the chariot race from ben hur essentially yeah in space um even to do some of the cut down to the coloring and stuff like that as well yeah it, it's very clear it wears its heart on the sleeve but it's yeah. excellent it's perfectly executed it's fucking long it's like 12 13 minutes long it, as it well is. i think um, but it I, never I don't mind boring. that. No, it's it, it's a good action. It's a good action sequence. That it's not repetitive for the most part. Although the next point I was going to make is that they reuse a shot of Jake Lloyd doing the same fucking action all the time. Where it's yeah, the side on do. the side on shot where he's you know he's got his his arms up through no through uh well, no his fists by his shoulders and he cracks the things through ninety degrees to hit the throttle again. Yeah, they they do reuse a fair bit, but it's all cut together well. As you say, even when. Like, bearing in mind, I think we can all understand that this is a race, but there are rules to be explained as well. They handle the exposition really well. It never yeah. feels terribly clunky. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff as well. The first thing I grabbed out of this was that um, they're watching, Qui-Gon everyone's watching the pod race essentially on a tablet. They've got like a little iPad kind of thing, yeah. which I, I just thought was fascinating because we had no such technology at this point. No, that's um, right. This is real predicting the future kind of shit. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then we get, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it as I've written it. Utini! As they fly past the Jawa. And that is, that's it. I'm done. That's I may as well turn the film off at that point. Done. Yeah. Jawa's fucking rock. <laughs> like they just drive past him and he get Utini! It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jawas. They're so yeah. cool. And um, the, the whole sequence, I think, like, no, they, they've set up um, Sebulba as a bit of a villain or as a bit of an antagonist for um, Oh, we haven't even fucking well. talked about Sebulba yet, have I mean, we? Yeah, and it's it's one of those, as, as a character in the universe, he's pointless. 
but he does a job in in here. It you know, gives a bit of threat. It gives a, no. It, it gives Anakin some. It gives Anakin something to to someone to to um, compete against, and thus gives us something to align against as a, as a viewer. And mm-hmm. I think that no, I think that's done really well. But then after that, we don't see him again. Um, and yeah, I think this whole sequence is great. And I think that there are some, no, there are some issues with it. Um, I did read earlier on today that the um, the two headed guy was originally two guys in blue mocap suits and when they tried animating it they realized how fucking stupid it was so then just oh. they just cg the entire thing yeah makes sense i, I could see that um <laughs> but um, uh, yeah apparently the original idea was they, they'd have they had two guys in mocap suits and they were just gonna be like them adam's family type siamese twins mm. so i think it worked out for the best yeah i would say so um but yeah the, the whole sequence is great and um, after the jawa my next favorite moment in this entire film, which is completely unintentional, but funny as fuck. And if you haven't seen it, it's pretty obvious. But if you haven't seen it, watch out for this next time you watch it, viewers. Um, I'm assuming it's Warwick Davis that's in the in the little alien suit, the little yeah. green dude. I'm assuming it's Warwick Davis. Um, he totally leaves the little kid hanging when he goes yes. in for a high five at the end <laughs> yeah. of the race. Yeah, and it's he's hilarious. Spinning around and dancing and shit, isn't he? Yeah, it's fucking hilarious the little kid runs up to him for a high five and he totally leaves him hanging it's fucking hilarious you can't miss it but it makes me laugh every time i see it if you've not noticed that yet just even if you've got the discs to hand pop it in go to the end of the pod race and just watch warwick davis be an absolute prick to this little kid (laughs) yeah it's brilliant brilliant it's, it's almost like he's he's his character in extras he's being such a prick to this kid just totally leaves him hanging yeah um so yeah look, look the pod race is fucking great um just to touch on sabalba as you say yeah it gives us an antagonist um actually as a character i quite like him um i i, I think you know he's functional for what he needs to do yeah. um but it's just this this whole fucking storyline with the slavery and everything is just distasteful as all hell <laughs> but again you can tell you can tell that story if that's the story you're going to tell but you can't hang a film on it or no. half a film on it and then leave it and just abandon it entirely no um yeah but i, I like Spielberg. i think he's well animated um i think his character design is interesting yes um yeah it's, it's all it's all fine um you know he just happens to be a villain in a bad storyline about slavery and racing yeah you know, that's not his fault. Just, right. When when he when it all goes wrong though for him and he all yeah. crashes out and he, and he says, What is it? Poodoo, he says. Poodoo. Doesn't. Now, doesn't I'm sure Poodoo is used earlier in this film as well. Yes, and it he, is. Involving him again. It's where he uh, where um Jar Jar accidentally flings a no, not a chicken at him. Um and he's arguing with Anakin. And it's it's along the lines of um he, oh, the next time he raises, he'll no, he'll he'll make banter fodder out of Anakin. It's no. that's right. And Pudu translates to fodder at that point. Yeah, which doesn't make sense when he unless it's the closest George Lucas knows knows the word fuck. Well, I I kind of just always assumed that it meant shit because yeah Pudu. yeah I I always kind of equated it to that as well. But yeah, it, it doesn't make sense with the the translation you get earlier on. You're right, and, but yeah, I I just it's not one of the it's not one of those. You, you'll get some nerd somewhere who will develop a language like they did with Klingon and fucking yeah. any others being made up. The, some will go, oh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those words that could mean this or could mean that. I don't care that much, I've got to be honest. No, no, but it, it just it was just weird. So, yeah, Sebulba's really good. Again, he's a good villain. 
Just like yeah. Darth Maul's a good villain, but just not enough of him. No, like if you're going to stick with this storyline, let's see some more Sabalba, and let's let's work out where he fits into this whole thing. Is he a slave as well? Is yeah, he, or is he, he a slave? Privileged, yeah, and he's a slaver like Watto, and and then and then again you've got Watto as well. Like there's a whole line there that can be explored. Why is he keeping slaves? Well, yeah, and I mean, you, know? you, you again, you, I mean, it's difficult to not do it, but I don't know we're only supposed to be looking at this film, but when you do get him in Attack of the Clones. Um, He's a he's a decent business person, and he just happened to keep some slaves. Yeah, I mean, again, as a as a character, I don't hate Watto. <laughs> and, and, and automatically, he's positioned in a place where we should because he's he's an obstacle for um, Qui Gon and, and Amidala to get their parts for the ship. He's an obstacle for Anakin for, for Anakin and his mother because he owns them. He should be an absolute cunt nugget. But we he's not. Is he? He's never. Guts. <clears throat> excuse me he's never really antagonistic like he's always no. kind of fair yes i mean you know you you get you get the thing where you know he, try, he, he tries to cheat he tries with the to dice, cheat but, yeah but, but he's never he's never malicious he's never he's never abusive or aggressive or um no sort of in, inwardly cowardly and not acting out any insecurity he's just he's just a, a person working in a system as it is you know and not that you can ever exclude slavery but a lot of a lot of people who, who had slaves had them because that was the done thing. No, yeah, that, that's how that's how you ran your world, and that's how you ran your household. And in this universe, you have slaves because that's how you run your business. And there are slaves, and for me, it's a business opportunity. So it shouldn't really. No. There's a there's a hell of a lot to be unpacked there. That that's the problem. Is again, just like with the Nubian thing, it's like Lucas has thrown that in there because he kind of feels like it suits his story. Yeah, but he hasn't unpacked that at all because i say under this storyline it's things like why is Watto a slaver mm. and then is is Sebulba a slave and then in which case all of these pod races are kind of gladiators which fits with the whole ben-hur theme yeah um so that has always made sense to me that's kind of why i find it a little bit distasteful because that was then this is now um but it it just seems more like Sabalba seems more like he's got more control over his destiny than say Anakin has. So yes. maybe he's not a slave and is a slaver. I I just don't know. It it doesn't make sense. There's this whole weird illegal racing slash slave ring thing on Tatooine, all yeah. run by the Huts, mind you, as well. Yeah, that just is poorly thought out. Yeah, there's it's. It... I don't even know if it's poorly thought out. I think it's poorly executed as much as there's too much going on for you to be able to focus on any one thing. So as a result, they're all kind of half-assed. Yeah, and again, if Anakin was more the focus of this picture and the pursuit of Anakin, then maybe you could unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, how did he come to end up a slave and stuff like that? You know, there's a lot there. But yeah, they, they don't go for any of it. Um, so the pod race was great. And then uh, I've written here that I, I legit tuned out of the film for 10 minutes until Darth Maul showed up again and went all Jimmy Savile and tried <laughs> to snatch Anakin. Um, I, I have yeah. no idea what happened. I legit zoned out for 10 again, this, straight this, minutes. There's this whole thing of, you know, of trying to uh, trying to release this, you know, trying to get him to convince Walter to release the both of them. And then there's another scene with his mother. Um, where you know, and more bullshit exposition about fucking midi chlorians and the force and what Anakin's going to go on to do, and so just fucking get on with it. Oh, this is the shit where Qui Gon instantly believes he's special, right? Okay, yeah, based on nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I tuned up for ten minutes. There's a fight with Qui Gon and Darth Maul, which is really fucking good, um, but again, too short. Yeah. Um, 
Then we get to Coruscant and they land and Anakin saunters off with Padme. Yeah. Why? That makes well, no narrative sense whatsoever. Yeah, I know Qui-Gon needs whole... to go and talk to the council, but surely he would take Anakin with yeah, him. Take him there and leave him with the other fucking younglings. Yes, And meanwhile, exactly. Amidala's got some fucking politicking to do. Yes, exactly. So why the fuck does he go with Padme? Yeah, makes no sense whatsoever. Other than they want to try and put these two together to establish the next film. Yeah. Know, which in itself is problematic because... The age gap is creepy here. It's not but, in the I mean, next film, but it is I mean, here. I mean, here, it's, the age gap's, what, 10 years? Yeah, and it's Which not is, that by the time you get to the next film, is it? Well, yeah, cause we, there's, there's no there's no account of how, how old she's, she is, but he's clearly aged from being about fucking nine to being about 20. Yeah. So the age at that point, the age difference between them is not too bad because even if it is 10 years, even if this film, he's, yeah. he's 10 and she's 20, they're adults, so he's 20, she's 30, that's fine. But here, yeah, it's just it's played for in a way that it's played for in a way that's not creepy. And I think that you've got the added bonus that Natalie Portman doesn't play it in a way no, where there's they anything don't, they in it. They play the relationship really nicely here. They play it as it's not quite maternal, but she's not quite just a friend either. There's like there's genuine affection there. Yeah. And she's sort of taken him under her wing a little bit, you know? Um, but it but it is more lighthearted. There's there's nothing, there's no chemistry there. There's no sexual attraction between them, hmm. um, which you would hope not. But well, yeah, because he's fucking prepubescent. But I mean, surely then in the next film when we're ten years removed, surely that's still weird, isn't it? If she's kind of known him as a ten year old. Well, yes and no, because I mean, I think the the way it's set up in the next films, obviously he's been away being a Jedi and doing all the shit he's been doing. And she hasn't seen him for fucking years. So it's kind of like starting again. And you do get a sense of that sort of awkwardness in that in the next film. So I think that's handled relatively okay. Um, but yeah, just the, the whole positioning of the two of them in this film. Bit, yeah, I've just always found it a little bit creepy. As I say, not in this film. I think the relationship works really well here. Um, it's the next film that really creeps me out. Oh, the, the next film, he's a bit fucking psycho-rapey. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, but but that's a whole conversation for if we ever get around to doing that one. But it's it's the <laughs> yeah. next film where their relationship creeps me out, you know, and and creeps me out even more than like Luke and Leia and stuff. Like, oh, it, yeah, yeah, their relationship really it just really does creep me out. Um, but yeah, nonsensical decision for him to go with Padme for it, yeah. it's been done for no other reason than to give them a natural yeah. parting of ways very shortly. Yeah, put them put um, on screen together and then give them something to work towards. Yeah, um, and then we get more Trade Federation stuff, and there's all of this talk in the Senate about votes of no confidence and legal challenge to the Federation control, yeah. and this is Brexit the fucking movie, is what this is. To be this fair, point. this is less fucking chaotic and more well and better thought out than Brexit. Uh, and that, fucking, this is, this that says is, something. Yeah, if this is better thought out, that really says something. But this literally is... Brexit the movie. Maybe that's why I've found it so boring this time out because we're living it. Fuck me, I hear it enough, and it's a horrible decision as it is. I don't need to be reminded about it. Yeah. Um, no politics on this show, folks. Gonna move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's probably too late for that. I think we've already had plenty of a Tory jive, haven't we? So probably. Uh, yeah. So we get all of this shit, um, and then they decide they're going back to Naboo. And Jar Jar does a little jump for joy. Yeah. 
why exactly? Because they all fucking hate him. Yeah, he, and he's been he, outcast. He's, yeah, he's 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 been exiled. So they why is he like... happy to go home? That makes no sense. Well, yeah, it just makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Is that no? And yeah, okay, he didn't like it on Coruscant because it was too fucking hot and too dry and all the rest of it. Yeah, so fine, brilliant. Fuck off somewhere else. But why would you celebrate going back to somewhere where they've told you if you go back, they're gonna fucking murder you? Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, then we get the Padme reveal, which they've played for throughout the whole film. And to be fair, I think they played for reasonably well. Yeah, I didn't uh, mind it. At times, it's a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink, where it's like, oh, the Queen wouldn't be happy about that. Yeah. You think you know what the Queen wants, but you don't. I do. And it's all a little bit nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But it's yeah. played off quite well. But then they get to this big reveal, and they completely underplay it. They do. Completely underplay it. Yeah. It's like they just flush the payoff down the toilet. They do. And I, I've got to be honest, whenever I see this scene, I, I spend more time trying to pick out people in the Queen's entourage. Yeah. Yeah, this, this scene is, is so underplayed and drab and boring. Yeah. And it should be like our third act catalyst. It should be like, oh, holy fuck. Yeah. She's the queen. Did not see um, that one coming at all. No. But, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's not done very well. I mean, I, I knew that Kira Knightley was the decoy queen. I'd forgotten that Sophia Coppola is in the entourage as well. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. one of those I knew at the time and I'd forgotten about it until I read it earlier on. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's the same as in like Force Awakens when you try and spot the voices of the stormtroopers and shit. It's just yeah. like, yeah, you we know, know they're, they're there, but you forget about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, so yeah, that is all totally underplayed. Um, uh, another fucking stupid scene with Boss Nass. Another stupid scene with Boss Nass. Then we start to get into the good shit. All right, yes. all of Act Three here yeah. is fucking fantastic. It's amazing. Apart like, if this from film... again, fucking uh, Jake, Jake Lloyd's reactions to shit when he's flying. Yeah, but I'll even buy him in this, to be honest. I've got a five-year-old at home who makes those fucking noises when he's flying air, I, no, when he's flying toy airplanes and shit, so yeah, I'll, I'll take it. And don't get me wrong, narratively, there's still some bad decisions, oh, but yeah, yeah. everything is so exciting and so well shot and so well scored um, that it yes. all comes together and it's just a fucking rip-roaring good time. Like, if this film literally had all of the first act, then the pod race... <laughs> then all of the third act, yeah. and we cut out everything else. I think I'd be fine. Just replace everything else with a little bit more backstory of Anakin being a slave and stuff, and more pursuit from Darth Maul. Yeah, and you'd have an absolute fucking winner on your hands. It's just all of the fucking Trade Federation shit, and all of the fucking midichlorian shit in the middle. Yeah, like get rid of all that. So anyway, we're off and running. Um, now the only thing. My only caveat to all of this, I said it's all fantastic, but the space battle without X-Wings yeah. and without TIE Fighters, it's just not the same, is it? No, it's not. You don't. What, you, what I'm missing the most is I'm missing, like, we don't have a shot of the, of the foils on the X-Wings clipping yeah. out, which is one of the main things, like, when JJ's trilogy hit when yeah. the first time in force awakens that you saw those foils come up on the x-wing yeah it's just like that's it that's star wars I, and that was a big thing for me that was the point where i knew i loved that film um but you're missing that but even more than that what you're missing is the drone of the tie fighters it yes. doesn't sound like a star wars space battle because you haven't got that drone of the tie fighters flying by yeah that's right it just doesn't sound right um but it's still really good um, and then the door opening to reveal Darth Maul is awesome. Is every it, you like you get the call back to essentially the room of smoke at the beginning with the door yeah. slowly opening. Darth Maul cranks his lightsaber. 
awesome, awesome, awesome yeah. shot. Now, the and only he... problem I had with the, with that sequence in its entirety is that it was in the fucking trailer. Yeah, it was, but hey, it doesn't it, stop it being awesome. It doesn't. It doesn't stop being awesome. But they, they, the 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 dual ended lightsaber that that should have been a big thing, and they shot their fucking load in the trailer. Yeah, that that unfortunately is marketing for you. But it's not even just like yes, the reveal of the double ended lightsaber is cool. But yeah, the whole the whole thing of yeah, he, he's the, he's, the, he's the door thing. and he's there and he's he fucking no, he, he he slowly peels the hood back and he takes yeah, and, his and this, all that shit is phenomenal. Again, and this is how you use Liam Neeson and this is how you give him a one liner. It's the look at him, the look at at Padme, and then the look at Obi Wan, and we'll handle this. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's how you use Liam Neeson. You don't get him to say there's always a bigger fish. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's that's him at his best. That's him like, I've got this motherfucker. Don't worry about it. I'm a fucking super badass experienced Jedi. Just get out of the way because shit's going to get real. Yeah. Move. That is what you need him to do. And it's excellent. Um, Then, right, Anakin gets out of the hangar and puts a flight helmet on. Yeah. How the fuck does the flight helmet fit a five-year-old? I was just going to ask you that. Is, have they just conveniently left a super small flight helmet in Well, there? maybe it's like one but size fits all, and you, you pull a string at the back to tighten it. I don't know, but it's bad, isn't it? It's yeah. like that is, that is the type of shit that really annoys yeah. me. And the fact that he can speak to R2 somehow. Yeah. Now, I think I'll go with that, because we know in canon that there are people that can speak to R2. There are there are people that can converse with R2 units, just like in in yeah, the new true. trilogy, there are people that can converse with BB units. Like, they, yeah, there true. are people that can speak droid. And Anakin is, a, is an advanced enough engineer that he's built his own. He's built 3PO and taught it English. Now, yeah. 3PO can understand R2. Yeah. So, theoretically, Anakin would have had to teach him that. Yeah. I so guess. I can kind of go with that. I can kind of go with the fact that he plays about with engineering and robotics, and I, I can go with that. That's okay. Um, so I, I've written something here. Um, oh, yeah. He, he then gets a line when he's up in space and he's, he's shooting stuff down. He shouts, now this is pod racing. Yeah. That literally makes no sense. No, because whatsoever. in pod racing, you're not allowed to shoot the other fuckers, are you? And, and it's the furthest thing from pod racing. Like, you're not in a yeah. pod, you're not on land. And you're not you're, racing. You're in a dogfight in space. Yeah. Now, if it was, if pod racing was like that, it'd be like fucking wipeout. Yeah. Well, which would be awesome. Is, that is exactly what I thought when I heard the line. Exactly yeah. what I thought. No, again, uh, I could fucking watch that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible line again. Makes no sense. It was almost like Lucas needed to write something in the script, and instead of just writing one liner goes here. Yeah. He put yeah. that in and never corrected it. Um, yeah. To be fair, you'd be better off saying, you know, just putting in brackets saying, let let actor think of something and giving that to the kid. I, I'll be honest, I'd have taken Yippy at this point <laughs> over now this is pod racing. <laughs> it, yeah. it would have made sense, you know? Uh, even, you know, I always knew I could be a pilot. I always wanted to fly a plane. I don't know, anything like that. But yeah. now this is pod racing. It's yeah, no good. It means, no, it means nothing. Yeah. Who's a slave now, bitch? I don't know, anything. <laughs> I smoked your Nubian ass. I don't know, whatever you want. Like, but now this is pod racing? No, absolutely yeah. not. That doesn't make any sense. No. Um I stopped writing notes at this point. Not intentionally. Just because um, you got engrossed in the fight. Yeah, just because yeah. from this point on, this film is fucking incredible. Um and I 
just got completely in, just as I tuned out earlier on, I now got sucked all the fucking way in. But yeah. it's fine. I know I know the rest of this film. I know the third act of this film, like the back of my hand, if I'm perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have just watched this in isolation many, many times. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal. Look, until two years ago, this is now the best lightsaber con- confrontation we've ever had in a Star Wars film. Until Last Jedi, I firmly believe it was bettered in the throne room sequence in Last Jedi. Um, But up until that point, this is easily the best lightsaber battle we have ever seen. I think think that's possibly comparing apples and oranges. I think the the throne room sequence is a better sequence, but the actual fight is better in Phantom Menace. Uh, Yeah, I I could go with that. I think probably this is is structured as a fight better in that there's more back and forth and you've got like the doors closing on them and stuff. Um, but just in terms of a balls to the wall, oh yeah, fight that throne room sequence, and especially when you get like the two of them going back to back, yeah, and it ah, oh, it's just fucking gorgeous to watch. It's just amazing. It's action porn, is what that scene is, um, and I fucking love it. Um, it helps because I love those two characters as well uh, much more than anybody in this prequel trilogy. I, I I really really took to Kylo Ren in Last Jedi. Um, which is funny because I didn't at all in The Force Awakens. I thought he's no, a white he bitch. Yeah, but I really took to him in Last Jedi, and and I really took to Ray as well. So that helped. That's the kind of character investment you don't get in this trilogy because it's yes. so poorly written. Um, whereas that wasn't. So yeah, th- this fight. I mean, look, what can we say that hasn't already been said? Really, it's pointless even talking about Duel of the Fates. Yeah, it is one of the best pieces of film score ever written. I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing, um, and, and yeah, the fight itself is so beautifully paced. I think that's what it is. You know, it is lengthy, but it's broken up into these segments. You know, it's and you get that natural segregation with the doors closing down the chambers. Yes, uh, which allows you to sort of play on the end of New Hope a little bit, where Obi Wan gets to see Qui Gon run through. Um, yeah, it's but not only a, that. I mean, it, it, it's good. It's good as well from um, from from uh, as a, as a. Um, a film, a film device where once those doors close, you know there's a finite period where nothing's going to happen. So you can go, you you, know, you can build up a bit of tension, but you can also go elsewhere because you know you're not missing anything. And I think as a viewer, you, you, the whole the annoyance of cutting away do, when you've got multiple sequences like this going on is that you feel you're missing out on something. You'd rather be watching watching a different one. Here, you know nothing else is going on because they're they're basically all fucking in impenetrable chambers for the next minute. Yeah, and I mean you cut back and forth to. Um... To Padme, or at this point now, Amidala, as we know her to be, sort of leading yeah. the resistance on, on the ground. Uh, and that's all great. You know, that stuff's all good. You cut to Anakin up in space. That's all good. Even the gun guns fighting is is pretty good, to be fair. It's it, like Jar Jar getting his leg caught on the bomber is fucking annoying. But, you know, other than that, it's not too bad. The whole standoff when the droids start walking towards the shield, that works. Yeah. You know, it's all good. It looks um, impressive. No, yeah. No, but as, as one, I mean, I know I've, I've criticized you know, some of the aesthetics, but that's one thing you can you can always say for these films that they look fucking. You know, they look incredible. Yeah, absolutely, and it's down to I think it's here. Yeah, it is here where the um, kind of the, the I don't know what they call, but like the tanks that uh, yeah. the Senate forces have when they first roll into shot, and we get this extreme close up on the blades of grass. 
yes just blowing as they hover over them it's it's shot beautifully yeah. um looks amazing so you get all of these sequences that all work really well um and then yeah you you can cut back and everybody's still in the chamber and actually one of my favorite moments in the film and again it's it's because nothing is spoken and when the the action really is good lucas can direct action you know and yeah. you get good character work out of it because you've got qui-gon and darth maul divided by this sort of force field door and Darth Maul is just pacing like an angry lion just yes. back and forth and Qui-Gon just quietly just puts his lightsaber away and just starts meditating yeah no I don't know if you've um if you've ever read the novelization of this I read it probably a year or so after the film came out and they, they spent an awful lot of time on this because you and they spent a lot of time on the fact that no he does this and he's he's there and he's you no know, he's channeling the force and he's you now he's trying to visualize the final and you've got darth maul is there um as a pacing like a cage line and obi-wan is kind of somewhere in the middle whereby he knows he should be doing what qui-gon is doing but he's angry but at the same yeah. time he's, he's angry and he's riled up and he wants to get in there and throw and throw down and start some shit and there was quite a nice description of, of some of the of this of the the thought process of the three characters and so some and the way that they were behaving and it was really interesting, and I think, and the way it's obviously it's a novelization of a film. It's not it's not a film of a book, which you know, which is uh, obviously a very different uh, different animal. But the way that that's been captured, the way that's been interpreted, I thought was quite was quite a nice way of looking at it. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna have, have to go back and see if I can find it because it, so the, the way it was written, it really did make you think about sort of the differences between you know, sort of Qui Gon and his you know, his maturity and the fact of his his connection with the Force, the way he's been trained, the way he's you know, he's He's more or less at peace with everything in the universe, and then the two young, the two apprentices, effectively, who are young, headstrong, just wanting to get in there and fuck shit up. And yeah, it's a really, it's a really nice, uh, a really nice thought, and the, the way that it, it, the way it looks on screen, I think it, it, it portrays it really well. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I've not read the novelization, but I think visually, it's a fantastic sequence, and, and everyone involved in the scene um, plays it off absolutely perfectly. As I say, Darth Maul is like a, a caged lion. Qui-Gon is just this, this center of calm. And yeah, Obi-Wan's actually really interesting because, of course, what you get here is a direct parallel to, to what Anakin will become, is this kind of angry young Jedi. Uh, yeah, but, so overly, but, overly cocksure. And... Which is what Obi-Wan is in this film as yeah. well. Um, but he is the difference between the two of them is that he is able to rise above. Um, and yeah. there's, there's something interesting to be explored in the character there. And I suspect we will get it in the Disney plus series because you could argue that maybe he's able to rise above because he's had better training. Um, yes. Whereas Obi-Wan of course is literally just taken the trials and made a Jedi and then gets his Padawan and has to pass all of this on to Anakin. So it's a little bit of the blind leading the blind with the yeah, two a little of them. bit. And there's, there must be, well, I mean, we sort of get it from Alec Guinness's performance a little bit, but but you never, we've never really delved into just, or at least not in the core universe anyway, into how Obi-Wan feels about all of that, into, into what his failure means to him. Yeah, uh, We know it's enough to drive him into hiding and he becomes a hermit and turns his back on the force and all of that stuff. Um but it, it'll be great to see that. And I hope that's where the Disney Plus series goes. I've never read the expanded universe stuff. So maybe that is explored in novels elsewhere. Um, maybe. I mean, unfortunately, no. I mean, all of the all of the novels, all of the expanded universe, that's all. Is that now legacy or something well, like they, that? They call it, that? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that's all. Look, that's all bollocks as well. You know, if, if you've read that stuff and that's real to you, 
then yes, that's yeah. real to you. Ain't, ain't no money man going to come along and say, I own Star Wars now, so this doesn't count. Yeah. That's that's bullshit. It's the same as the reboot argument. Your Star Wars is your Star Wars, and if that's your universe, that's your universe. But look, I'm a fucking lifelong comics fan. I'm used to having multiple realities and multiple universes, so yeah, I can true. quite easily make that separation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think it matters whether it's canon or not. If it's been written and you enjoy it, then... You can take what you want from it. You know, I, I like an Elseworlds tale, and I'll I'll call one that if that's what it needs to be. Um, but I would be very interested to to delve into that side of Obi Wan's character, yeah. Uh, because it, because there must be a part of him that really does that knows deep down that maybe if Qui Gon had been around to train Anakin, then maybe he could have pulled him back. Maybe yeah. some of that sort of calm, centering influence that he has over Obi Wan as well would just bring Anakin back from the brink. Yeah, maybe. So that's maybe. it. And, and it's all there. It's all there in the, just this simple sequence. It's wonderful stuff. Absolutely wonderful. And that is the real tragedy of this film, like I said back at the start, is when it's good, it's really fucking good. It really is. It's mm. just most of the time, it's a fucking tedious mess. Um, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. There, there could be something so good in this film. Yeah, um, it's, it, it is. It's, um, it's difficult to um, to look at. I mean, it's it's difficult to look at it critically because I mean we are now twenty years on, um, and the reception of it. I mean, when it first came out, people were a lot more receptive than they than they seem to be now. Um, a lot of people seem to have changed their opinions on it over time. Um, a lot of people jumped on a bandwagon whereby it was. You know, it was shit. Of course it was shit. Can't you tell it was shit? You must be able to tell it was shit because it was a pile of shit. And people have just gone, well, yeah, I'm not stupid. I didn't see that, but I'm not going to admit to that. So, yeah. And people have jumped onto that. I mean, I remember when it came out, I can't remember what newspaper it was in, um, but there was a critic um, who who gave who gave Phantom Menace four and a half out of five and in the same year gave Fight Club one out of five. And then by the time they came out on home release the year after, he'd changed his mind and gone the other way. Yeah, I mean that's... just just because you no know, weight weight of public opinion more than anything else because the film doesn't change. Um, so how can you then all of a sudden go and give the you know give the DVD release especially no with Kate? I know a Star Wars DVD's got a lot more on it than 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 your Fight Club DVD would, but the film is still the film. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, exactly. there's an awful lot of that, and I thought I think that's disappointing. I mean, generally it's no, it's it's been I think in, on some sites like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like it's it's got a, a, a it's got a positive rating. I think it's like fifty seven, fifty eight percent. Um, so it's you know, it's it's more people think it's it's passable than they think it's not, um, but it's no it's passable it's not good, um, and I think that's kind of where it is. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's always one of these. It, it's it seems to have divided people since the day it came out, um, and I think that's something that you know, will carry on dividing people much you no know, much like the new you know, the so the the sequel trilogy has. But I think because they're generational events. I mean, the people who were you know, around when the first Star Wars came out. Then saw the, the prequels. Went well. This is shit. This ain't Star Wars. And the people who then saw those who saw the prequel trilogy before they saw before they were introduced to the uh, the original trilogy, they then went well. Hang on. This is all. No. This is this is Star Wars. Not this old shit. And now the, and, and we're and, seeing that with that generation in the yeah. sequel trilogy as well. Well, that's you know, we're looking at people backlash now to Last Jedi. Yeah, you, we're getting people now who went hang on. This ain't fucking Star Wars. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, it know. is, and it's you can have you can have different styles. I mean, given the fact these films are forty fucking years apart, you can have different styles. You can have different people with different ideas, and you can explore different themes and things like that. It's still the same fucking universe, and if you take it for what it is, 
I I think it's a lot a lot easier to enjoy it and to get by with it. Whereas if you go into it intent on thinking that's not my Star Wars, my Star Wars is this fucking era here or the, this this block of three here. So anything else is just shit. You're never going to enjoy it, and it's eventually it will just sour the experience of the whole thing. I mean, I know people who will now not watch any Star Wars because they didn't like Last Jedi. Yeah, people who are butthurt over it, and that's just insane. To it me. is. I mean, um, at the end of the day, if, if you like something, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But one doesn't necessarily have to impact the other. If you like Phantom Menace, but you don't like New Hope, then A, what's wrong with you? But B, that's up to you. That's your choice. Just watch what you like. Yeah. And don't you, watch you do what you. you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You do you, and let everyone else do them. Yeah. Um, well, let's, by let's all not means, malign people for doing what, yeah. what they like. By all means, share your views on it, and God knows we do. Yeah. Um, so, by all means, do. But like, don't cut your nose off to spite your face. Don't watch, like, not watch the rest of Star Wars because that was so bad. I mean, fuck me. I hated Game of Thrones since the start or the midpoint, really, of season six. And I mean hated it with a vitriol. <laughs> But it didn't stop me watching it, and it's not stopping me rewatching it now because no, exactly. I'm enjoying the early stuff. So just let it be what it's going to be. Fuck the whole premise of this podcast is that I actually quite like the Super Mario Brothers film. I'm not ashamed to say it. <laughs> I'll watch it and enjoy it. So you do you. And if you like Phantom Menace, more power to you. I can't say I do, but I can't say I dislike it either. I think, you know, the highs are incredibly high. The lows aren't especially low they're just no. boring as hell yeah there are there are far deeper troughs in other star wars films i feel yeah yeah definitely and and there are far far deeper troughs in other films that we've watched well yeah exactly for this podcast it's just the, the cardinal sin that this film commits is that it is boring and for yeah. a film called star wars that's set in space and has magic wizards with laser swords yeah there's not enough of the actual stars or the wars you can't be boring no that's you know right. like yeah I, the good is good like i said qui-gon is an incredible character i wish we could see more of him this has got some of the best jedi stuff in the entire series i yes. think like the, the battles in this are fucking incredible yeah um but just anakin and the trade federation and uh, just <sighs> jesus putting me to sleep thinking about it you know it's yeah yeah Blah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. I, that's how I feel about this film. It's decidedly average. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I've just before we wrap up, I've got a confession to make as well. Um, they did a 3D re-release of this film in early 2012, and I remember seeing advertisers or reading about it at the time. And I just moved to Australia. And I was living with somebody I worked with. I remember going on a massive fucking tirade about how it was blatantly just cashing in. Um, I still went to fucking see it. Um, I remember the 3D re-releases coming out. They did it for. Pretty much all of them, I think. No, they they did it. They announced they were doing it for all of them. They only released this one, and then Disney bought them out and said, "Fuck it, we're not doing that. We're going to concentrate on the development of the other ones of the new ones instead." Okay. So they didn't actually release them, um, which is a shame, because I I mean I, I wanted to see it um, just to see how well it translated because they obviously they had the um, the HD upgrades when they did the Blu-ray release in 2010 2011. So I was curious to see what they'd done, and Lucas came. Lucas said, "Look, we've not added anything. There's nothing extra. All we've done is literally just convert it to 3D." So I was quite curious, especially when you've got fucking like laser blasters and shit going off all over the place. You've got pod racers. And it was my whole thing with 3D is that I wasn't that fucking bothered. 3D isn't that special to me, I've got to be honest. 
Me either. Don't see um, the point. I will actively avoid it. I will choose yeah. to watch things in three D if I uh, in two D. Sorry, if I can. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. But yeah. So I, mean, I remember going on a massive tirade about about this film just being blatant fucking profiteer and all the rest of it. I still went to see it. I I still oh, I still enjoyed it because it, it's fucking Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. I I I didn't see it because. I don't like 3D. Um, I I would rather just go and watch a 2D re-release. I I, I stand correct. Actually, I should I should explain that. I like 3D when it's used effectively. Yes. It's just it's so rarely used to any real effect. To be fair, um, the best 3D I've ever seen is when you go to places. When oh, I mean I don't know if it's I've been to Disney for years, but when you used to go when we went in like 91 and 93, and you had like the IMAX 3D cinemas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it, it was the first time you'd seen it, but no. They were they were playing for it, so you know somebody's hitting a tennis ball and it's coming straight for your fucking head. That sort no, that sort of stuff was was great. Whereas just a film's got a little bit more depth to it. Could care less. Gotta be honest. Um, I I like uh, I I go actually the complete opposite way. Um, those theme park rides are theme park rides, and that's fine because that's what 3D is supposed to do in those. Mm. That's cool. It works really well. When I'm going to see a 3D film in the cinema, it's that kind of shit that annoys me. The stuff flying towards the screen that doesn't need to be there and looks terrible when you're watching it at home in 2D. Mm. That annoys me. But for I me, think... that's the only reason to do it in 3D because it's the only thing you notice. I don't I don't really care if, if, if a shot's got slightly more depth to it. It doesn't make me enjoy it anymore. That See, that's probably where we differ. I do enjoy that, but it has to be shot for that is the problem. So when something is converted, it's not being shot for that depth of field. So all of a sudden you get a 3D effect on something with a shallow depth of field, which is utterly pointless. That is what happens in most 3D films. Um, the I can honestly say the only thing I've ever seen in 3D, which I thought was truly effective and I have toyed with actually buying 3D equipment at home for on occasion because I thought it was so good is Avatar. Um, mm. That looks truly astounding in 3D. It's not full of shit flying at your face. It is shot properly. So there is depth to the world and to the backgrounds. When you're in the rainforests there in 3D, it feels like you're in the rainforest. There is real depth in those shots. And that's excellent. That could really add to your immersion. But so few filmmakers even attempt to pull that off let alone achieve it um of course james cameron can do it because he's fucking james cameron yeah um, true. but that is that is the only time i, I truly enjoy a 3d film it, it needs to be played for and got and it needs to be just adding something to the world not just throwing shit at your face because throwing shit at your face gets really old really quick so yeah uh, so but, my, my, my 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 main experience of it is in theme parks so i kind of i kind of like it um, I, I, so I've, that, I've, never, I've never seen a film where I've gone. You know what? That was made better by the fact it was in three D. Avatar is is literally the only one that I can think of. Um, yeah, and I remember seeing that. I remember, I remember seeing that in the cinema, but I don't remember. Um, I, don't, I can't remember. I, I'm assuming we did it in two D because I'm cheap. But um, yeah, I don't remember it. Um, I don't remember the three D effect of it. But there you go. Um, just since I've just I remember reading this, I've just have glanced past the page. I was um, thinking there's only one scene in the entire film which has no visual effects in it. Guess which one? We have uh, talked about it already. Oh, I have no fucking idea. It's a it's a really exposition heavy um, scene right at the start where the gas gets introduced for the first time. That's the only the only scene in the entire fucking film without any no effects in it. There are ni- it, there are 1950 shots. In, which have visual effects in them, and bear in mind most of the, no, 
there are very few shots which only have one effect in them. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, you in the majority you'll be talking lightsabers and blasters and droids and fucking gungans and backgrounds and all the rest. Of I was going to say the majority of the backgrounds, basically. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, this the amount of work that went into this. I mean, it took them it took them three months to shoot it, and and uh, something took twenty seven or twenty eight months to edit it. Fucking hell. Yeah, I'd lost about the live, I've got to be honest. If it wasn't for the uh, billion dollars it was going to make at the box office, I'd have been suicide. Well, yeah, and, you know, we know that Lucas is anally retentive about this <laughs> stuff. So I'm sure yeah, there is that as well. Problem as well. Quite possibly, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think we've, we've probably covered it, but um, is it better than Super Mario Brothers? This is a tough one. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days. Uh, I change my mind like the weather on this one. <laughs> I think I'm going to come down on the side of yes, it is better than Mario Brothers. But on any given day, I may change my mind. Like Here's the thing. I think Mario Brothers is a consistently better film in that it is, in terms of its quality, you know, its highs are never as high as this. Um, and its lows are probably about on par. But it's never boring. And this is fucking boring. <laughs> but yeah. based on the fact that the lows are on par and the highs are much, much higher, um, I'm going to go with yes. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. Same for me. I mean, I I, mean, I, 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 not, I don't have massive baggage with Mario. I've not seen it that many times. But you're right. It's, it's, it does what it says on the tin. It's a, it's a very bog-standard action film. Um, and it just you know it moves from beat to beat to beat and it's fine. Whereas this tries to be a bit cleverer. It try, it's trying to set up more of what's what's to come, and I think it suffers for that. But you're right. I think the the bits that are done are done far better. The bits that are done well are far better than the bits that are done well in Mario. Um, and there's not too much to outstrip them in terms of the lows. So yeah, I'd I'd say I'd, I'd say the same. I'd say it's uh, it's definitely better. Yeah, two for two. Cool. Um, yeah, if you disagree with that, um, obviously, as always, get in touch. Um, you can email us, mario at ddpodcast.net. You can find us on Facebook with the Double Down Podcast Network, on Twitter at ddpodcast.net. Um, but yeah, get in touch. Um, let us know what you think. We're always up for a bit of a chat. Any films you'd like us to do, um, especially in the run-up to Christmas, because uh, we, we do have some ideas for Christmas stuff, but if there's anything particularly you'd like us to look at, by all means, let us know and we'll, we'll consider that. Uh, but until next time. See you later.